Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host as always, Stephen Murphy, and joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam and Westy. We are back with uh, another another somber podcast. This is not a repeat of last week. Uh, you will be hearing about a different game, unfortunately, with very similar results. Uh, but before we get stuck into all the other provinces as well and the last 16, uh, we'll talk to the boys as usual. Westy, how was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. Um accidentally went out and celebrated the pubs being open on Saturday. I hadn't planned to, but I suppose... Yeah. With me? With you, yeah. Got lured into it, some would say. Uh, so I had very... It's your fault <laughs> I didn't get to go golfing on Sunday, is it? I had very... Ca- no, I had very casual plans to have dinner with a few of my friends at half past seven. And Steve texted me with like, come on, we go to the pub for the Ulster game. And I was like, the pub... Uh, so yeah it's actually not my fault it's so, Niall McDonald's fault I left them in the pub at half seven and whatever Stephen did after that is his own problem uh, yeah well uh, yeah Niall's fault he asked me out in the first place to go to the pub uh, it was a bit like yeah I'm like I'm not that big of a like oh let's go in and watch the game in the pub but it was the end of you know restrictions and stuff and I was like I would probably regret not going for a few points and then the next morning I regretted going for a few points. Um, so yeah, I was dying. Sorry, Sam. Me and Sam had planned to go play a few holes of golf, and I texted him at eleven saying this is not happening. <laughs> I'm fair like Sam, you had you had expected it. Yeah, but you added to the already foul humor I was in after the Connick match. I swear to God, the girlfriend was like, What is wrong with you? And I was like, This just I'm so annoyed. <laughs> like yeah, I, I was sort of emotionally numb to it a lot, purely because of the hangover. I was like, you know, it could be worse. I could be dying like I am. Uh, so I was a bit emotionally numb to it. But uh, yeah, but apart from that, though, Westy, you had a good, you had a good few drinks out. And then Sunday, did you have to watch Sunday? Uh, we're talking about being in emotionally fragile states on Sunday. Um, I was attacked by a seagull in our square. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> just just for everyone listening at home, me and Sam had no idea this was going so I am just <laughs> as excited to hear this as everyone else listening at home. Wesley, the floor is yours. Uh, so me and my partner, we were walk- we went into town to get uh, brunch. Uh, town was actually quite busy on Sunday morning. So we ended up getting food to go rather than sit in because we wanted to get home for the Connacht match. Um, and as we were walking through our square, I-, I turned to look in a shop window and some, I want to say rhino-sized seagull had rammed into my hand and pulled the sandwich from my fingers uh, while taking a choke out of my finger with them. Uh, what followed was a battle akin to any uh, RPG game you've ever played. Me fighting a seagull for half a sandwich. I, like, did you win? Or... <laughs> oh, no, I lost. Terribly. So you, did you get eat any of your sandwich? There was a two or three bites left in the sandwich. Um, but it what was on the sandwich more importantly uh, it was chorizo mozzarella and pesto it was a fantastic sandwich that that seagull has great taste yeah in fairness it, it wasn't going for any other crap yeah oh my god how how is that in terms of uh you know looking masculine in front of your girlfriend well you know what i told how i painted to her was that i sacrificed the sandwich to save her from the seagull oh nice well played spin zone yeah. lovely spin zone you should see that seagull. That seagull's fucked up. No, it's, he's it's, jacked. It's fine. He's he's sitting there with a full stomach. He's just laughing at you, SD. That's it. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more because there's so many bloody seagulls around. I've there, heard so. it happen before, but I've it, never seen it happen. It does Actually. happen a fair bit. In fairness, they uh, they attack people with takeaways all the time. And then in our old apartment, because whatever tin roof was right there, we didn't have an attic between the kind of room and the roof. They used to fight over whatever they've stolen off people on top of the roof, and it sounded like the whole house was about to come down. They're uh, they're vicious like a, and they're like massive. A seagull gulag. Yeah, oh, they're 
there. Uh, Sam, I'm going to ask you how your weekend is, but it's going to be tough to fight a, a seagull battle of a story. Yeah, I don't, I don't have seagull battles now. Uh, yeah. Do you fight any other boards? Or uh, no, I was I was relatively all right. wasn't fighting any any avian uh, avian avian creatures. Uh, those sea sea creatures now they had it coming, but uh, no, I uh, sea creatures. No, I I'm good. Yeah, I had the first match since probably mid November. And uh, I am in bits after it. I have played 80 minutes, which isn't something I, I've done in a long time. Uh, even before Christmas, I was, I was not an 80-minute man. So it's happy enough. We, we lost the game. It was very scrappy affair, Wes. You can attest there was a lot of handling errors. But In, in his defense, they were missing their best player. So you know. That's true. There was, there was no Westie there. But this weekend, this weekend, the, lo- the locks are going to be flowing. So... Yeah. yeah, I'm actually going to go and watch that. I'm no pressure. Oh, I yeah. in attendance. Yeah, I am. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll... We're, as you can probably tell us at home, we're kind of stalling. Uh, we don't necessarily want to get talking. But only three games to cover, lads. <laughs> Munster also lands for playing. Uh, we'll just smooth on past the rest. But, no, unfortunately, we do have to talk about the defeat to Stade Francais on Sunday. We'll spend the next hour talking about how good that Bristol end-to-end dry was because <laughs> everything else rugby didn't need to happen after that. Well, we can talk about how good all the Connacht tries was because literally of the thirty-one points, they were all spectacular. There was no no boring tries. Also, the ones that didn't count. Yes, exactly. So um, no, the, the Stad come out on top, thirty-seven points, thirty-one. Another kind of a heartbreaking loss. This one, we should caveat. This is not the same as the Harlequins' defeat. Like we were very strapped when it came to props. I think there was six props missing. Was what was going around? Leicester. Oh, sorry. Apologies, uh, Leicester. Um, yeah, we were starting, you know, Jordan Duggan, Shane Delahunt, Greg McGrath, um, you know, Jordan Duggan has still obviously played a few casts, but very inexperienced at that level. Greg McGrath, very inexperienced. Jordan Duggan played, did he play the full 80 or was it? Full, set, full 80, yeah. Full 80 minutes. Unheard of for incredible. Yeah, uh, and then on the bench we had Charlie Ward and Sam Elo. Sam Elo, that was his first appearance for Connacht. Um, Charlie Ward, is that his first appearance or? Yeah, that would have been his first, that would have Sam Elo and Charlie Ward's first pro appearances. Like not even just for Connacht, just pro professional appearances, which is. Uh, well, Charlie Ward obviously didn't come on, but still Sam Elo, Sam Elo come on then for a few minutes. And look, any game with that inexperience of, of, of a front five from kind of a pack is is going to be tough. Never mind a way to start from say in, in a Champions Cup game, when which they needed to win. And, like that, you know, that has to be a caveat of all this. Obviously, it's disappointing. We'll get into what happened, why it happened, what we think went wrong. But at the end of the day, look, it, it was uh, attack wise, incredible performance. We're through to the last 16. Uh, we're playing Leinster, unfortunately, but we'll talk about that again later on. Let's talk about the positives first, lads. You know, let's not be too down on it. And uh, we'll talk about the positives first. Uh, Westy, like attacking wise, Connacht, they really are as good as anything out there at the moment, aren't they? Like, with ball in hand, they will trouble any defence. Yeah, with, with ball in hand and, and kind of from anywhere. I mean, it's even, look, I, mean, I would say Stad kind of were the same in a lot of points. But even when we kind of, um, I think for Butler's try, like, it's kind of a, a fumbling of the ball. We end up on the back foot and Bailey's running backwards with the ball, spots a gap and cuts in. Or maybe it was Farrell's right. I can't remember exactly. Um, but what we're getting really good at is our counter-attack. So not necessarily our, like our strike plays off our line-outs. Our line is one of our best weapons. I think we won all of our line-outs at the weekend. Um, so those kind of strike plays that we set up off set piece work really well. And, you know, our phase play is quite good. But what I'm really impressed to see in the, in the staff on game was our counter-attack. So when they're bearing down on us and we're on the back foot, we were able to create. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from, you know, how like tenacious and aggressive like Quail and Blade can be. Uh, Jack Carty's kind of... Um, 
his kind of strategic mindset, his, his strategic kicking. Um, okay, he had maybe two mistakes in the game. He had kicked one out in the full, and um, you know, maybe you know, you know, not a, not not a perfect performance, but as close as you're going to get. I think. I think he can't chastise somebody for one or two little errors. But um, how we create the opportunities often from nothing is is really impressive, and it was great to see. Um, like even the work rate from individuals. So Alex Booten for his try, by no means taking the easy route and trying to squeeze in the corner, cutting back inside, step and step and, you know, and, and, and you know, like barreling into Lamape and trying to barge over him for the try down and getting there. I think that's the really um, impressive part. So it's impressive to see how we can create tries in so many different ways. It's, it's kind of what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and Sam, I know, like I said, very inexperienced kind of front row and stuff, but, but like still like those, that 80 minutes for Jordan Duggan, that has to stand to him. Same with Greg McGrath. Like, I know, again, the result didn't go the way that we wanted it to go, but you have to sit back and try and take the positives from a defeat like that. Yeah, 100%. And you know me, I'm always going to be the kind of look for the positives. I'm, I'm quite the optimist when it comes to supporting my team. And that's not to say I wasn't disappointed at the end result, but I saw 60, 65, 70 minutes of really impressive play. Uh, I think that there was a few parts that we can get onto, you know, that, that needed work. But people like Duggan... Uh, having a full 80-minute game. His side of the scrum wasn't the side that was under pressure. I think McGrath did come under a lot of pressure and uh, that was only his second game for Connacht. He's, he's probably not even as high up the pecking order on that side as Duggan would be on his side. So that was always going to be really, really tough for them. And that that kind of radiated out through the entire team and led to some of the mistakes. I, I firmly kind of believe that the inexperience and the, the relatively wholesale changes led to some of the just disjointed kind of way that uh, we ended up defending and letting them in. And that's unfortunate, but, you know, positives to take are there. There's, there's good performances. There's good individual attacking performances. There's some good individual defensive performances, and there's a lot of experience to be gained from a huge game in a really famous stadium against a really famous, you know, a good European kind of team with a lot of European pedigree. So I'm, I'm happy enough with it. I think if you look at the, on the bright side of the entire thing, the goal was to qualify for the last 16. The goal wasn't to get two wins. The goal wasn't to get three wins. It was to get through to the next round. And they've done that. They've accumulated points. People can say, oh, it's a bit embarrassing that they've gone through with one point or with one win. But the whole point in the bonus try and the, the bonus point system in rugby is to reward good play. And what they've done is they've managed to get at least a point from all of the games. So that is essentially how you play cup rugby like that. You accumulate your points when they're available to you and they got five points. Five points could be two bonus point wins, bonus point try wins. It could be a bonus point win, uh, the two sets of two and the one, or it could be two fours and a two. Like there's a lot of ways of getting to 10 points, but at the end of the day, it's 10 points and it's enough to get you through. And that was the goal at the start of the season. So I'm, I'm extremely happy with it. I'm disappointed by the manner in it. It's not nice to lose in that manner for a second week in a row. And that does get you down. But, you know, when you kind of look at it in the cold light of day, there's a lot of positives to be taken from it. And I think we're probably, we're never going to win the European Cup this year anyway. It still could happen technically, you know, so that you think there's a chance. But I think in a couple of years time, you look back at this two weeks and a couple of other kind of standout sliding doors moments in Connacht history under Andy Friend. And you'll say, that was a massive learning curve for a lot of those players, and they've they've come out the back of it with a lesson learned. Yeah, so Wesley Sam makes a great point. Like this is not a win now situation. This has always been a like you know you progress for the first stage to the knockout stage. Next year, hopefully, again you progress a further step, and like that's how it happens. It doesn't just happen overnight unless you um, you know sign some world class players and what like that. So this is not a 
you know, Andy Friend's not going to be looking at this being like, oh, we've missed our chance to win the Champions Cup. Like, this is not, their, this wasn't their goal. Their goal, as he said, was, and it was very obvious, was just to get to the last 16. Uh, and we have done that. And we know going into the last 16, we have a team that can put up points. Now, unfortunately, we also have a team that are, are shipping quite a lot of points. But, you know, like some teams go to a place and be like, I don't know how we're going to get to 21 points or, you know, 14 points where Connacht aren't thinking that. They're going to they're gonna go, I know they're playing Lancer, but they're going to go and say we can put up, you know, a decent score here. Yeah, um, and I don't know if we want to get into the Leinster stuff now, but um, as you say, the great thing is that our, our issue isn't getting the scores. And I would see a lot of parallels from... Um, from that attitude to the year we won Pro 16, you know, we are the Pro 12, and um, we won it by accumulating points in every game that we played. We, like, that's one of the things that, that got us in such a high position at the end of the season was that if we won, we were winning with a bonus point. If we lost, we were usually taking something from it because we were getting four tries and we were, you know, within seven. Our kind of attitude was we're going to score one more type thing. So, um, I think I have to put the games like in a little bit of context as well. I think. Had we not shipped the game last weekend, there'd be a very different narrative around this loss. It'd be more about how Stad really kicked up and, and came up a level. You know, 11 points isn't that much in rugby, really, when you think about it, when there's 15, 20 minutes to go. Um, but yeah, I think because of the game last weekend, the narrative is now like, oh, we, we blew another lead. Um, whereas when we were talking about going away to Stade Francais to, to get a win, not a lot of people gave that thought a lot of credit. So the fact that we were there, thereabouts for... Um, for, for the majority of the game for 75 minutes is, is still good. And uh, you can again look at individual performances and say how good the team were. I think um, there does just become a little bit of a problem. Some of their tries, I will say, seem a little soft that they do. We missed quite a lot of tackles. So I think they missed 23 tackles. We missed 32 tackles. So when you start to look at the stats of the game, you start to see where that loss came from. You know, it's the same with penalties. We gave away maybe, um, I think we gave away 14 penalties and they gave away eight. Now you can say, okay, two of those penalties are in the last two minutes with the, the first kick that comes off the post and the second kick crossing. But at the same time, when you're giving a when you're when you're in double figures and penalties, that like that's that's a problem. You need to you need to pull that under control a little bit. And the, the other thing I would say is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of those penalties come at scrum time, and that's where we were weak. That's where we knew going out there that we had two uh, two very young uh, props on the pitch and two even younger props on the bench. So I think almost in hindsight. But we did keep the two guys on a little bit too long. Do you know, when, when Greg McGrath was struggling a little bit, maybe we should have given Sam Elo the chance. You know, he's in Ireland under 20. Okay, this is his first, you know, experience of senior rugby. But, like, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I can see why at the time you were reluctant to bring on those players, but maybe the change would have would have done us good at a certain point. Because, as I say, in my memory, a lot of those penalties that we gave away came from the scrums. Um, and, again, the, the real black mark, I suppose, is that it was against 14 men. But you also have to look at when Stad came back. Stad came back when Conor Oliver got that yellow card and we were down to 14 men. Um, and again, that's a compound yellow card. So that comes from giving away too many penalties. And I think discipline is something that has been a kind of problem all year. Um, and now we kind of have to go back to drawing board and, and, and look at why we're giving away so many. Because the last thing I'll say about it is during the Munster game, we were camped on our line for a long time. And we held them out. And you know, okay, we gave away a couple of pens, we lost a couple of guys, but but our, our line defense was so good. Um, and we didn't seem to have that same kind of cohesion in the line this week. So we'd have to kind of look at how we get to that mindset. Why aren't we at that level of fight in every game? Why are we only at that level of fight in the Munster game? 
Yeah, that's another good talking point. I think on the last thing on the positivity, there was some great individual performances. I thought Conor Oliver again just got through a mountain of work. Keen Prendergast was always. Uh, I thought Sammy Arnold was fantastic. Every time he plays, the more I think we're going to regret letting him go. Uh, like there was great performances. Mac Hansen, I think defensively in in spurts was just fantastic. Like he, it does get overlooked. I think as Sam said on Twitter because of one gift that Dan Sheen skinned him. Uh, and that it, that overrules everything else. But uh, like there was some good performances, as I said, attacking wise. But unfortunately, yeah, like we have to kind of delve into the 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 bad stuff as well. That would only be fair. So I I asked kind of on Twitter for people to send in questions, and a lot of them were somewhere to send their team. And uh, Vincent Ward sent in one. Thanks for sending in Vincent, and his was kind of uh, summed up what everyone else was kind of asking too. And it was another defeat from the jaws of victory for Connacht. He's like, where exactly do you think we're going wrong? Is it depth, attitude, or do we need to adjust our playing style? The main theme from a lot of questions, Sam, is yeah, changing the play style when we are up um, and maybe slowing things down and, you know, tightening everything up. Um, there's pros and cons, obviously, that, like, you know, you're, you're going away from what gave you that lead in the first place. And then, obviously, you do need the personnel to implement that kind of slow down forward style play. Um, we'll, we'll address that first. Do you think that is something that can't need to look at? Maybe a, a changing of a style when you are in that position that you're up being like, okay, let's just slow everything down, milk the clock kind of thing? Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think that there's a lot of merit to it. I don't know if Connacht have the personnel really to implement that style. Andy Friend has, he's made a winning team or he's made a team that is capable of winning and capable of putting, you know, four try bonus point on Stad, uh, that and Leicester. So that, you know, and both away. So that's something that that's the way that he th- he figures they can play. And if you go back into your shell and you try and dog it out against a team like Stad or a Leicester or a Munster, I don't think that uh, many teams would be able to keep them out uh, for prolonged periods of time. So maybe, maybe changing up the personnel or adding in some personnel that can bring that to you, the likes of a hopefully lever, you know, can, can kind of kick on and do that. It's something that could be looked at. But I think that, you know, on the whole, going away from it isn't necessarily going to work for us. And we could end up just being called bottlers because we weren't playing, you know, when it went to Leicester and we ended up trying to not play with the ball, it, it gets leveled at the kind of team that they're, they're bottlers because they weren't trying to play with the ball, whereas they actually kind of, the game plan just didn't work and the game plan is there. So I think not losing the head, continuing to play, because we when we were playing against Stad, we were up and we were still creating a lot and we were still attacking with huge amount of ferocity and speed. It just started not going to hand as much. And I think that that might be a little bit more of a kind of just a lack of composure in terms of not knowing the position that we're in and not being cool enough to do like a Leinster do and just keep keep throttling it and keep putting the points on. Like Leinster were 40-odd points up against Bath and they just didn't relent. And I think that that's, the, that's kind of the way the Connacht want to go because I don't think Connacht really, at the moment anyway, with the personnel that they have, want to get into any sort of arm wrestle because it's I just don't think it's going to work out for them the vast majority of the time. I think that the game plan was there against Stad. It was a working game plan. It should have continued to work and it's unfortunate that it didn't. But, you know, that's, I think, the game plan that they believe in, they trust in. And Andy Friend has said it a couple of times and they veer away from the game plans or the systems is when it doesn't work their best. So, you know, most, most of that Stad game, I know it goes, like Wesley said, in with a narrative of the Leicester game, but most of the Stad game I put down to really just the, the inexperience the change is not having the desired effect. I think that Della Hunt was playing superb uh, this week again after the Leicester game and the change of Heffernan didn't you know, bring that in. And you know, maybe Leva didn't have enough time or Sammy Lowe didn't come on early enough. And we were down to not bare bones because they're very good players. It's a, like, you know, 
all fit, you'd pick that as a starting backline, no problem. But it's a backline that hadn't played together very often and that there was a good few changes into it and bringing back people from injury or bringing back people who are still getting up to speed. So I think that's most of the issue in that. And I think that the learning how to win and learning how to close out a game is something that will happen the more we're in this sort of position. You know, I, I challenge anyone other than myself being the most optimistic person there is to look at this you know, set of games, the Leicester and the Stad at the start of the season, say, oh, we get through, we'll be very close in them all. And I think that those were two games that people kind of went, that's a hard enough one to get through. Maybe not getting into the second round is going to be something that's possible or even going on and, you know, competing in this level. And I think that Andy Friend is still in a transition period at the moment with his coaching staff and with his playing staff. And I think that uh, you'll see in the next year or two, a more composed winning team that will be able to continue to play what they're good at and to continue to rack up scores because that is what Connacht want to do and that's how they want to play is they want to be a winning team that just racks up scores. Westy, another thing Vincent mentions is attitude. Um, I don't think there's an attitude. I wouldn't personally think there's an attitude problem. Have you seen anything like that that you think maybe uh, attitude is an issue? I, I don't think attitude is a problem. I don't think... It depends because you can you can interpret that question a few different ways. Like So... I don't think it's a question of the players not wanting it enough or, or not, you know, not trying hard enough. I think maybe <clears throat> you could say maybe there's an attitude problem in that because of what happened last week when the tide starts to go against us this week again, we kind of panic and go into ourselves and like, oh no, what's happening again type thing where, you know, almost we were waiting for it to happen or, you know, it, it, there's a danger where something like this can become a, uh, a habit in your mind and you can kind of expect the other team to do it. And of course, if you, you know, it's manifest destiny in that case. If you start worrying about it happening, then it probably is going to happen. Um, I don't think I don't think it's a, it's a attitude problem in, in in any other sense. I don't think there's I don't think the players don't want hard enough. I don't think the players aren't trying hard enough. I don't think you can really look at that um, game and say, oh, such and such completely switches off and you know doesn't try. I know you can say maybe especially for the last try, there's a few kind of missed tackles, but it is still quite a good step back inside and players kind of left. So I would say it's a little bit more maybe. Um, kind of not necessarily a systems error, but, you know, everyone's pegging it across the pitch to, to get there to cover the space because we know we've left it. And then, of course, it's harder to plant and turn on your foot and go back in and cover. So uh, desperation maybe is the right word instead of kind of, uh, you know, a bad attitude. But um, no, I think, look, I, I'd echo, echo what Sam said. I think it was it was an inexperienced pack in a way and there was a lot of change from the week before. Um, I just think that, that Stad got the better of us. You have to remember, like they they needed a very specific outcome from that game. I think the second they got that fourth try, they were like, "Oh, oh we can get our five tries and our plus six points they have to get." Whereas, um, maybe kind of do need we need need a bit more staying power to kind of stay in the fight and kind of you know stop teams from gaining that momentum. Because I think that was the same thing that happened with Leicester last week. Was we kind of let them build up to their fifth gear, and then they were fantastic. You know, they kind of were able to kind of fire on all cylinders and beat us. And it was similar with Stad here again. We kind of, we let them build in, got a yellow card and they saw their chance and took it. Yeah, just uh, it's like what Wesley was saying. I think that the, uh, you go back a week to after the Leicester game and when we looked like it was kind of almost confirmed that we were going through and that there wasn't going to be, you know, much uh, chance of us losing out on the position depending on the results we needed to get hockeyed and for other results to go uh, ways that they didn't look like they were going to go the cast result being one they were probably pretty shafted as well but people were talking about connect you know shipping five points against this stad team they were talking about not going being able to travel not being able to live up to it not being able to get up to it 
And then we've heard about injuries and COVID cases in the camp and that it was going to be quite a young, inexperienced team. It wasn't as young and inexperienced going over as we thought. But when Niall Murray said at the end of last week, he said, we're not here to just you know, fall over the line, crawl over the line. We're going for five points. And geez, they tried their damnedest to get that five points. They got the bonus point away in France. I know it didn't come out the, t- end, the right end of the, the result, the W or the L, but they got the four tries away from home in France. They went out with the right attitude and they played their hearts out. And I think that, that you know, there's a lot there's a lot there that they can build on. They're, they're very, very close. That was just one swing in the game at the point, like Westy said, you went down to 14 men and it kind of, it just capitulated from there. But no, like I, I think that fair play to every single one of them players, because for the first 70 minutes, you would have looked at that kind of team and said, you know, they're a, a really, really experienced outfit and they're going at this stad team in stad and they're going for five points. And it was just at the very end, you know, tiredness, whatever it was, lack of composure in terms of just not, not being able to con- continue a bit of disjointed, anything, anything could have amounted to it. And then when you're playing against people like Lau Mappi, like we both, uh, we were both really impressed, we said, with Sammy Arnold's display. And Sammy Arnold is going to be a huge loss for us because every game he's played since he announced he's going to breathe and better and better and better. But he personally, because he's a tackling machine, will be disappointed that I think he had four or five missed tackles himself and Carty had four or five. Um, and Farrell had two or three, Tiernan had five or six, I think, when I was reading the stats. And those are those are players that don't miss tackles. And they're just, you know, that that can be just a disjointed thing because, you know, the, the front row was new, the young and inexperienced just wasn't as kind of cohesive as it has been in the URC. We've seen extremely good defence this year comparably to the last couple of years and big, fast defence. And I think that, that those missed tackles, their individual errors, I don't think that that's going to be something we see too often again because those players are all capable of tackling. We know that. Yeah, the second, oh, the last thing he didn't mention was depth. Depth is a tough one because obviously, well, that game was a, a an anomaly because of obviously COVID injuries and whatnot. I think in general, yeah, like depth, obviously, in the pack, I think is the big one because we don't have the same pack as a Munster or a Leinster or, um, you know, these big French packs and you know the big English packs, and it's not necessarily. I don't think. I don't know if a friend he doesn't want it or he just doesn't have it. So now he's he's smartly being like we're not going to try and play that way because we don't have the personnel Westy is it tough to argue the depth topic when the fact is it's not necessarily the most level playing field when it comes to recruiting these players and paying these players that give you that extra edge and depth like Connacht are trying to make the best of a bad situation here where other teams are not yeah, I mean, I think the, the great line from Andy Friend was at the start of the season or in the last season where it's like the other teams are shopping and, you know, uh, are shopping at Marks and Spencer's and we're shopping in Little. You know, we're trying to find those kind of on those kind of hidden gems. And, you know, look, it's, it's great work by the guys. Look at Mac Hansen, you know, he's a prime example of finding someone, even Shane Bolton as well, um, you know, finding these guys who are Irish qualified and, and bringing them over and letting them kind of really build up a good, um, really develop as players. Um it's a tough one to take because I think in terms of the depth argument, right, you can look at that comp squad and say, well, in most positions, like those guys start in a normal day. It's, it's the position where we do have, um, again, I don't know if it's a depth issue or the biggest size issue, which is, which is our front row. And that's where we were kind of, let's say, in theory, uh, on Sunday, the weakest, you know. Uh, now, there's been steps taken to amend that. Like we've got Tia Tia Tui Manga come on. We, we signed Greg McGrath from Leinster, who's, got, who's still young, and, and Sam Elo, who are going to have great careers ahead of them, no doubt. Um, we also have the likes of Dennis Buckley, who, who's been out for you know almost well nine months at this stage, if not coming up on the year. I think it, was, it wasn't his 200 cap, he, he did, isn't he? Um, 
we, we don't know kind of what he's expected to come back to training now this month. So we don't really know how that's going to go yet. So we need to see how he reintegrates and how he, how he comes back as a player. It's a really tough injury to come back from. So um, unfortunately, with those places we are missing that, when I say we're missing the bulk, which is the front row, um, that's the area we were hurt most at, at the weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how, how those new players go, as I said, and how, uh, how Buckley comes back. The other question is the second row. And I heard it said by someone uh, earlier today, you know, Connacht can't attract the Jason Jenkins from South Africa. A player of that caliber is not going to come to Connacht because he's not going to get paid as much. We had to sign Leva Fafita from D2, and now he came with Tavol Singakal. So they had a great working relationship beforehand, and he knew him as a player and knew what he could do. Um, I think Andy Friend uses the resources that he has to his benefit. Um, I, th- I think I think our depth was tested in 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 the front row at the weekend, um, and unfortunately. As an area with the scrum penalties, we, we probably didn't come away from it as well as we'd like. But I don't think it's necessarily depth in terms of players not being good enough. It's just been able to paint a different picture every so often. So if we had that kind of bulk in the front row, it'd be nice to be able to bring it to France um, and have a little bit more of a stable base after scrum. But as you say, you'd probably end up sacrificing some of your dy- dynamism and attack. So, you know, would you rather, you know, score the f- four tries in that game and, you know, lose it in the death? Or would you rather score two tries and play an awful round of rugby and, you know, get an extra three points table that wouldn't have meant anything anyway. If we'd if we'd won the Leicester game and the Stade Francais game, we'd be in the exact same position as we are now. We wouldn't be any higher or lower. So um I really like the way we play and we like the way we use our resources. I think we are still a young team in that sense and we're building. So these guys hopefully will be all the better. Even Jordan Duggan will be all the better for, for the experience they had at the weekend and it will help them grow into those players that we have because the beauty of what we have on our side is age. I, uh, I'm going shopping a little tomorrow and I'll have a look, you know, down those two aisles, see if there's any like six foot seven, 130 kilo South African props or, you know, second rows and see, you never know, you never know what you find in Little, Westy. Yeah, you oh, never know. I'm a big fan of Little. And a ski outfit. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there, is there anything to be said for uh, packing your bench with that extra, but like, obviously, uh, I don't think Big Papa was available, but... We haven't seen a whole pile of him since he's announced his move, but the likes of a Leva, a Big Papa, a, a TT, uh, is it is it is it smart to have that on your bench as a plan B? If that, as we said, or or even like as we were talking about Sam, there switching up the style of like okay, we have you know because obviously we're saying we're not blessed with with bulk, but we do have a little bit of it in the in the terms of in the in the example of Big Papa, uh, you know Leva, TT, and whatnot. You know, is is that a possible? Is that should we look into that, Sam? Yeah, and I don't think that Andy Friend is particularly adverse to that. You know, like we've seen against Leicester at home, we had TT, Leva and Pap on the bench. I think the circumstance, like I'm just, I'm reading into kind of the way that people's Instagram stories tend to be. And from what we've heard, you know, that there's a mix of injury and COVID uh, in the reasoning behind why players haven't gone. And it looks to me like, you know, TT seems to be kind of self-isolating, putting a bit of work in and Papa seemed to be out of action for a week or two. So maybe that's the reason why they weren't there because I don't think Friendy would have gone with that inexperienced a team if either of those players were available. You're talking about like, you know, you're shopping for bulk, you pay for bulk. Like there's, there's the big props, the best props, the international props, the international second rows are the most expensive t- players to get, you know, even more so than your out halves, your wingers, or your surprise scores because they're just, they're, they're, you know, they're not around and that's the hard part. And we've, we've shopped a little bit more obscure with those players and we've taken risks and we've taken, gotten some players. We haven't necessarily seen the best of them just due to circumstance. I think, you know, I think we would have seen more of Leva if he hadn't been so heavily involved in Tonga in the November internationals. He played more games than any of the other international players that we have. But you look at, let's say the players we had at the weekend, I don't think it's, 
like I think that we do have a slight lack of depth in terms of size and experience, but I don't think there's a lack of depth. I think we were genuinely so far down the depth chart because of circumstance. We had Jordan Duggan on one side, his third, maybe fourth choice on his side. And we had Greg McGrath, who's the second ever game for Connacht, who's third or fourth, fifth choice on his side, you know, and Samilo, who's never played a professional game uh, to come on for him. In the teams that win this competition year in, year out, have three, four, five international props. You know, Leinster have the Irish front row, then they have like Keen Healy, Dan Sheehan and Al Altoa to come on after them. We had at our disposal there, Jordan Duggan and Greg McGrath and no slight on them. They, do, they don't have the experience of Keen Healy or Al Altoa. Like that's just, it's inca- incom- incomparable. With our full fit team, we have one international prop and that's, uh, or two, I know, because DT plays for small, but we have one Irish international in Finley Bealham who is, you know, he's in and around the kind of the squad of Ireland and people say sometimes, like we all believe he should be in, you know, as firmly a second choice, but others don't necessarily agree with that. And then the other side, we have Buckley, who has been criminally overlooked throughout his career, but because of his size, probably. So maybe we're lacking a little bit of size and depth and bulk and something that we maybe tried to address with, you know, Paddy McAllister in the past or when we brought in Dominic Ruggs and McCoy, but I just don't see, we connect with the resources available to them, how we're going to remedy that without getting some sort of investment, be that private or getting really lucky with the likes of a TT2 manga coming over and flourishing. And hopefully that's what's happening with him. And we end up signing him longer term and he brings that book and he brings that power and, you know, he gets up to speed to the level. And that, that could be how we have to go about it because bringing in a cock or someone like that isn't, you know, going to be available to Connacht. We can't look at, you know, securing South African World Cup winner props. It's just not something that we're going to be able to do. So I think Friend is using what he can and what's at his disposal to play the brand of rugby that he probably wants to play as well as has to play. Uh, and that's just what we have to deal with. And we have to learn or come up with a way of avoiding those sort of big, brutish displays from French teams away in France or English teams away in England. Well, well. We'll finish kind of this general team by uh, asking, because a lot of people are asking what needs to change. So, Wesley, I want to get your opinion. What What do you think needs to change for Connacht to become that more of a clinical, bit more of a rootless team? Is it just a case of being in that situation more often? Like, what would you suggest if you're if you're if Andy Friend rings you tomorrow, he's like Wesley, because you're best friends. What would and he asks, I want your opinion. I want to pick that brain of yours. What would What would you say? Me. Yes, I'll come in as a prop. Back it. <laughs> I'll do it all. No, um, um, what do I think? Like, like, look, this would be a great time to be like, oh, if Leinster gave us Tyg Furlong, but I don't, I don't think that is the answer. I don't think that solves the problem. I think, unfortunately, the answer is time and experience at that level. You know, um, is is those players playing those hard yards and building up to it? And you know, Andy Friend talked about faith in the system. You know, we looked at last year where a lot of the losses that we kind of coughed up that's kind of what the, the thing that was given is like we need to embrace the system and work harder. And I think um, either maybe the belief wanes a little bit in the system again in these last two games or needs to be a, a slight change in how we manage it. But again, that's not even, I don't even mean like a strategic change and like right from now on lads, nobody kicks the ball. I just mean from a kind of experience of being on the pitch, the guys kind of need to know how to close out those games. And um Look at it as he's, as I said, like we're, we're turning out of the next round. We've got two very difficult games against Leinster. So these are two great opportunities to practice them. They're one of the best teams in the world, one of the best scrummers in the world. Um, so I think I think it's experience, and I think that even counters the, the depth argument as well. Like if we get these lads like Gray Regan, Sam Elo, and 
Dom Robson McCoy and um, and Jordan Duggan and, and whoever and Charlie Ward or Connor Ward, what was his name? Charlie oh. Ward. Uh, if we get them to game time, build the experience. I mean, that's great. I think one of the huge things for us, as well as building that experience, is player retention. So again, I would go back and say a game like this is a game where a Quinn Rue on the pitch really kind of would have been useful to kind of clip lads around the year and be like, lads, we fucking have to hold this out, you know, or even to bring them on with that wealth of experience. So um, now that's, that's, I think Fafita played pretty well when he came on. I'm not criticizing anyone individually, but saying that that level of experience with the club and experience at a higher level is kind of what we needed in the moment. And maybe we kind of fell down when we didn't have it. So I think it's experience. I think it's playing these games. That's exactly as Andy Friend's plan was to get out of the pool stage. We can't navigate out of the pool stage until we've been there. Um, so now we're here. Let's see what we do with it. Let's see how if we can push on the next two fixtures. Sam, he Andy Friend calls you right after West and he said, West, he's ch- talking shit. I need your opinion. What would you say? There's an easy answer and it's uh, two South African World Cup winning props. But I don't think that that's a realistic answer. I think realistically, I think what we need is more experience at this level and doing what we've done, which is getting out of the pool stage, is that experience. We're going to play Leinster. We're going to use that as an opportunity to continue to build. And, you know, I actually think, you know, I'd go to Leinster quicker than I go to Welford Road with this kind of team because they love getting up for a Leinster game and it'll be narky as anything. There'll be four yellow cards each and that sort of thing. And I think that it'll just, it, it won't be as good a spectacle as people kind of think it will because it'll be so fucking handbags. But uh, yeah, experience, uh, bringing through the players they are, maybe one or two astute signings could be could be good for us. But on the whole, I think that the experience of those two losses is going to stand to the team and that's what Friendy's going to use. And I think that Friendy is, you know, having changed his backroom staff the way he did this year, losing Carol and losing Duffy, but bringing through Collie Tucker, bringing through Massey Lawler, you know, Pete Wilkins moving from one side of the ball to the other. I think that these are all things that have to be taken into account. You look at where we are right now. We're at the start of a good transition under an extremely good coach. It's it's amazing to hear the positivity about Andy Friend from other provinces, from other pundits. And we're lucky we have him because I think that, you know, he could take over at Munster and he could do wonders with them and he will do wonders with Connick. So I don't think that there's, you know, there's too much. Like, obviously, he gave me a little unlimited budget and I'd make a few signings. But realistically, I think Friendly likes to work with the players he has. He likes to be smart about it. He likes, I think you see quite often, he really likes consistency in his team selections. I don't think he changes too often when he doesn't need to or want to because he likes to get coherence. He likes to get relationships and uh, that together in in positional senses. And that, that will continue to grow. So... You know, it's a, I think that it's, it's a good step to lose those games in the long run. And the next step, really what needs to happen is we need to secure Champions Cup for next year because you won't be able to retain or attract players if we get into the Challenge Cup as easily as you can in the Champions Cup. So that, that's the big one for me. And our URC form, I think you're looking at like the weekend and the last weekend, they're a step above the URC in terms of the physicality, in terms of the gameplay. We've been extremely strong defensively in the URC. And that's because that's the level I think that at the moment we're competitive at and we will grow to be a competitive team in the Champions Cup if we continue to get into it. Uh, player retention will be interesting this year just with COVID, with the likes of the young lads coming through, which players are going to go and who we might bring in, who might move between the various provinces. So you know, there, there'll be a lot to said, but I think Friendy, really, if he was given his ideal, would be you know a continuation and coherence and a uh, kind of keep that consistency in his team as opposed to make wholesale changes I don't think he'd bring in eight new forwards if he was even given the opportunity to because that's not the way he works yeah um, 
just sorry before I forget, uh, Patrick Finnegan asked about the better to have the bigger guys on the bench to slow down the game, which we talked about. Sorry, I forgot to give you the shout out, Patrick. Um, we will we'll leave looking forward to the last sixteen to the end. We'll kind of we'll move on. Uh, we're going to briefly touch on the other three provinces games. Uh, we don't want to bore you. Uh, we'll move on to um, the Munster game. Uh, Munster coming out and hammering Wasps forty five seven. Munster looked in that first half. Westy they looked like they were kind of getting their swagger back a little bit. There was some good little pockets of play. Uh, are they hitting? their stride nearly in time for the visit of Exeter or is it is it still are we still kind of papering over the cracks as we keep saying about Munster I, I don't know if it's quite necessarily papering, papering over the cracks because that was a much better performance you know it's not like they went out and won that game it's not like a repeat of the cast game let's say where they won with a try in the last minute even though like they kind of didn't really look like doing too much before that now that's a very harsh way to put it but um, I think I think it's a good performance I think it shows that they're building to something you know um, I said it earlier in the year when when people were being critical of their style and them eking out those victories, you know, those couple of victories and the, the, the loss to Connacht. Um, they, they're a squad that's had a very disrupted year. Um, so I think we're finally starting to see them gel together after having, you know, a really up and down kind of time before Christmas where have been isolated in different areas. And maybe it's even a backlash from the players. Maybe the players are sick of people saying that they don't play a good brand of rugby. So they went out there against Wasps and they... You know, played, played a, what I felt was a much more expansive game of rugby, and they kind of brought their their kind of I thought Haley again had a great game. I thought they kind of brought their backs in a little bit better than they had before, um, and and they went well. They played conf- with confidence and kind of with aggression. I think that's kind of what people want to see from them. So, look, they've got no, they, same as us. They've got two or three fixtures now to complete before the Highland uh, Cup comes back. So, it'll be interesting to see how they push on from there because they will be missing you know six or seven guys or eight, eight guys sorry who were away with the Ireland team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the young guys can step up now and what I want to see is them build on that and play that little bit more of an exciting brand of rugby so that when uh, when the likes of when your Peter Matties and your, your Conor Murray's come back from Ireland it's not a case of walking back into the squad and like where did we leave off it's no this team's moved on now while you were away and you need to come and sing off our hymn sheet instead of um, you know whatever I'm not necessarily saying they're, they're the culprits of anything I just mean I want. To, I'd love to see Munster push on a little bit now without those guys and 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 develop that kind of more confident, um, free flowing style of rugby. Yeah, it was a good day for Munster overall. You know, full capacity crowd. Jack O'Donoghue got 150 caps for for Munster, the youngest to get to that mark. Azebo overtook uh, Anthony Foley for most European tries for Munster. So, a uh, good day overall for Munster, and a kind of a good day is what they were sort of been needing the last couple of weeks. And yeah, you can sense like in every player interview, they're always they're always asked about the play style. You can tell they're just sick to the teeth about asking it. But uh, Sam, they welcome Exeter and they'll travel to Exeter. What what kind of chances are you giving Munster? I think they have a really good chance. I think it's it's very hard to tell because it's so far away. It's you know you're talking two full months before uh, it comes around. I think the first weekend is that weekend at eighth of April, so it's a long way away yet, and you'll have to see kind of the ups and downs. But if they continue to play like they played at the weekend and they bring that to Exeter, I'd give them a really good chance. Exeter are a great team, uh, but that team when it's like we said a couple of weeks ago when they are playing when they are using the ball a bit smarter. Casey's getting it out and you have Ben Healy playing well you have Scannell uh, Farrell Damon Delande to come back Conway Haley playing as well as he can do and Zebo, who you know he ha- we haven't seen much of him at all this season since the November internationals I think he had played 15 minutes before last week so you know having those players fit and firing uh, I think that they could put it up to really any team 
at this level and then you know push on they, they could get quarter semis it's whether or not they can continue to do it because I, I don't know Westy said you know maybe it was the players reaction to it and they wanted to show that they can play and that's all well and good but you know if, if that's going against what Van Gran has implemented in terms of style which we've seen up until this point and that's the players taking on and doing their own kind of coup and going about it and fair play they're they're able to but I just don't think that lends itself well to the long-term kind of goals of this team in terms of this season but maybe it wasn't maybe Van Grant has had this in his back pocket all season but or all five years he's been there and just be weird that it was there and available and hasn't really been implemented or sh- shown uh, beforehand because even I know this season has been disjointed for them, but this isn't, you know, the criticisms of the last couple of weeks aren't this season alone. There's plenty of Munster fans. Like, you know, we, we'd be friendly enough with Owen Harrison over the Hill Prop, and he would have been given out about the styles and systems for the last year or two, three years, not even just this year. So this was, this was all kind of just a continuation of that. Uh, and the, I don't think drastic changes, but it did just look like they allowed the players to express themselves a bit more and play with the ball, show what they can do. And that that gave them go for a ball. It wasn't necessarily side to side stuff, but there was a little bit more kind of pushing outside of that 10 channel and getting go for a ball. And when they're playing like that, I don't think that, you know, there's many teams that can stop them. So they have a very good chance if they continue to play like that. But we'll see which monsters show up when, you know, April 8th or that weekend rocks around. Yeah, and defensively they're as good as anybody. Um, they are. They're really, losing their defense uh, coach, though. Yeah, that's a bit. That's a big loss too. Uh, move on to uh, Ulster. Ulster once again uh, nearly giving their fans heart attack uh, with quite the collapse. Uh, Twenty-two points they were up uh, at one stage, and they they were only win by three points in the end to a Claremont team who were very hit and miss, but uh, finished the game very strong. Westy, we're, we talk about kind of Connacht and Ulster kind of being similar in the sense of maybe not having that rootlessness, but they, you know, they have the capacity and have shown to have been able to or to be able to sign those kind of big players. Like they just signed Dwayne Vermeulen a couple of months ago, so it's not like they don't have that kind of uh, firepower. Yeah, they have the they have more of the funds than Connacht do. Um, where is this? Is this more of a can we pencil this down to maybe just not having that experience in those positions to be you know dominating at Claremont? Well, yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, like, I just had to dominate Claremont for a lot of that game is the important kind of thing, thing to look. You know, we we can't stand here, stand here and kind of, you know, defend Connacht and be like, oh, well, they're playing really well, scoring really good tries, and then not talk about how well Ulster played for the majority of that game. You know, especially start of the second half, they came out of that, came out of the blocks firing. Um, I think the important thing is is to note is that, that they held on in pretty, pretty stark contrast to us. They had that little bit of extra whatever it was that, that held them out for the game. And you can't, not mention the fact that they're also a side that are facing a pretty big injury list at the minute. So it's not as if every player on that pitch is their first choice in that position. It, it's a group of lads who've really well kind of galvanized together are playing like really good rugby. I think almost in a sense, I'd say Ulster may be a season ahead of Connacht in that they have a system that really works in a group of really good players that play really well, almost better than the sum of their parts in a lot of ways when they play. So um, I think maybe they're just a little bit ahead of their development track than we are. And, you know, you see that reflected in the Ireland squad. You see the likes of Mike Lowry playing with unbelievable confidence and, and belief in his own ability, pushing on. Uh, Doak coming on, you know, really grown as a player. And again, I, I will chalk Doak growing as a player down to being left with Ulster to play week in, week out and grow his game. Um, and it's well, you know, like to Treadwell facing not a, crit- well, not a lot of criticism, but pe- some people eyebrows raise a Treadwell in, in the Ireland squad. And, you know, I thought he had a great performance again at the weekend. So I think... It's a case of a team that, as I say, work very well as as a sum of their parts, and it's kind of individual leaders stepping up in that group and saying, "No, no, we're good enough to do this." I mean, 
just as much in that, like you can talk about the French not traveling well. And for a lot of that game, Claremont looked kind of disinterested in what they were doing. It was, it's a testament to their class and ability that they came back and got close in the last 10 minutes. But no, it shows the resolve. And maybe, uh, maybe it's whatever we have to call down McFarland and ask him what did he take with him when he left? Like, what is it that they have that we don't, that had that grit in their teeth that, that they were a little bit better able to hold on than we've been in the past? Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because you're like, um, you know, you made some great points there. And we, yeah, you're right, Ulster, we still should be very complimentary of them. They are still very good. Um, but, but Sam, it is, it's a bit harsh. Uh, you've Ulster, congrats win, winning every game in your pool. Here's your reward to lose in the last 16. Not, not what they would have wanted. No, but I think that the last 16 has thrown some extremely good kind of curveballs because of the that kind of mass draws that was given to the French in round, was it two or three? I can't remember which one it was. Um, that that's given us a couple of these kind of you know top versus bottom fixtures. So that'll be a good game. It'll be the type of thing you're looking at this this tournament and Connacht draw drew Leic- or Leinster and Ulster draw Toulouse, and you're kind of going, well, this is the Champions Cup. This is what you want to get into it. Like you want to get in to be playing against Europe's elite. Like you know you don't want the easy route back door the whole way along. You want to be challenging yourself. That's the whole point in qualifying. That's the reason people want to qualify, and that's how you attract your best players. So, you know, you got to beat the best to be the best. So fair play. I think Ulster have an opportunity to beat Toulouse. Uh, they just really need to probably play to 100%. Uh, it's going to be a tough ask. And, you know, hopefully a couple of their players will come back from injury before then because they are, they're, they're kind of not bare bones, but they're light at the moment in terms of like the players. I thought Curtis was brilliant at the weekend. Uh, he's jumped kind of more and Moxham in terms of that, who who should be replacing uh who should be replacing my mind's gone blank on <laughs> their 12 what's the name of the 12 that McCluskey McCluskey there you go geez I couldn't think of it but you know he's he's come in and he's, he's looked like a real option and Hume is brilliant but I think you can't just be relying on one or two I think they need to get a couple of players back from injury so I think it's not the best it's not the biggest uh, reward for getting through to the round of 16 but you're not going to get to the second or third rounds of these competitions and not be drawing against Europe's elite. You're not going to get drawn against a Zebra in the round of 16. So why would you hope for that? So I think uh, I prefer personally to be in probably their position than our position in terms of the teams, because I think that Leinster, regardless of what day it is, are just ruthless with whatever set of players they are. But I think Toulouse could could pull a French kind of Toulouse. Um, I think there's a stat knocking around where if they don't have DuPont, they only win 45% of the time. So, you know, he might not be available and you could be one of that 55% of the wins. Yeah, and, and both Ulster and Munster are on the same side of the draw as well. So you could be looking at an Ulster-Munster uh, semi-final, um, which would be interesting. But uh, yeah, we'll move on to yeah Leinster just destroyed the bat. Uh, slow start for Leinster, but they eventually just put the foot down and it was a massacre it always reminds me it's kind of any time most times uh, weeks Lancer play it's the you know the Simpsons gif of like stop he's already dead you know what I mean it's it's that gif that that's just Lancer they're ruthless um, but they've got a really tough draw in the last 16 uh, they've pulled the big dogs themselves oh uh, kind of rugby um, so let's talk about that because that is I'd say for a lot of people, one of the one of the ties of the last sixteen, just with the fact of you know, as we said, the Brandon Rugby that's played, it should be it should be two good games. I would personally rather one game shootouts. I think it just suits the teams who are not as fair as much because you never know what can happen. We've all seen Connor can beat Leinster on their day, but beating him over two days is going to be tough. But we got a question in from a f- big friend of the pod, Kino. Uh, first of all, he said, "Will you save me a spot for Connor's home leg?" And of course, we will, Kino. 
uh, you are more than welcome. And uh, second, it goes um, if everyone's fit and firing, so both teams are healthy. Uh, what do you see as the game plan for Connacht to go with to try and get that aggregate win over Leinster? So, uh, Westy, not basically, we're asking here is Westy, how do you beat Leinster? Go ahead, Westy. <laughs> oh, it's obvious. Can they not see? Um, do, look, watch the Batham on Pellier game and do the opposite of what those guys <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I see. No yeah. one thought of that, no Westy. Of That's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a visionary. What can I say? Um, what do we do? Well, look, and I, th- I think one of the areas that, that Leinster are, are going to be have a le- big leg up on this is probably in their pack. So I think it's we push our game plan. That's all we really can do is keep, keep trying to play that expansive, fast-paced, kind of um, rel- relentless and adaptable game plan. Now, look, at Leinster play a very fast-paced brand of rugby as well. They play, you know, they love to move the ball around. And you see that in the likes of Hugo Keenan in the weekend, which was unbelievable. He was everywhere chasing balls and, and chasing down tackles, you know, them. It's, it's it's almost terrifying in a way, but I, I agree with you in that, like, I fancy us to beat Leinster. You know, when we play them, I, I believe we can beat them, but I think one of our problems will be that when we do lose Leinster, we tend to lose by 20, 30 points, and that's just not that's not just us. That's You know, I said that after the Leinster game this year, that they had done that to every, nearly every other team apart from Dragons in the league at that stage. They had put those high scores on them, and now here we are. They've done it again to, to Bath and Montpellier. So, um. I think you play our, our game plan, you try and build points. Like if you have that game against uh, Stad, against Leinster in the RDS, and they come back in the last two, uh, t- uh, 10, 15 minutes and score two tries and win, you have to keep that square as close as possible. Because as I said, we can beat them on our day. So if they beat them on our day and then manage them on theirs and make sure we can kind of mitigate any damage and keep the square as close as possible. So um, we will have to learn to adapt slightly more um, I, I would say if we're ahead on a day and you know we're building and then start to kind of build back, we are going to have to maybe, um, yeah, just be embrace that adaptability point in our game plan that you know we've mentioned a while ago and um, and try and keep them off the ball because I think Leinster are so dangerous ball in hand. I think if we can retain possession and kind of build phases, we are so good at taking our opportunities. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I've anyway answered your question, but I've I've. I've grandstanded for a little bit anyway. No, you're right. Like it's not it's not easy. If it was easy, <laughs> Leinster wouldn't be who they are. I think the pack is the big thing, Sam, isn't it? Like when we've when Connacht have beaten them, it's our packs had a good day. Their pack uh, hasn't had their best day now. That's probably because of Connacht pack having their good day. Like backs v backs, I I I'm happy to go toe to toe with them, um, even though they are stacked back there too. But it's 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 it will be the pack. Whoever dominates the pack game will probably just get through the tie. Yeah, to an extent, I think if 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 we try to go toe and toe with their forwards at all, it's probably going to end up coming out on top for them. I think that we what we need to do is to just mitigate for that. Uh, try to give away. Try you know to get the scrum set up because we've seen all year that the scrum has been much improved and the line out mall defense has been much improved in the URC. And you know they they were two sections that with the young lads faltered, but I think that you get our full our eight back or seven of our eight back. I think that that goes back to the way it's been all season, and that we are maybe not necessarily going to be dominant, but not going to be dominated, which is the position that I think our forwards have kind of wanted to be in all season under Devault Senegal. So that's what I think will be will be huge for us is to just not be dominated, not give away penalties because you know a scrum penalty on the halfway line is a line out inside your own twenty two. And that's where that Leinster team are dangerous because they're just relentless and relentless and relentless and going. But you know, what I would what I would take as positives from a Connacht point of view all season uh, is 
how we played against Munster when we beat them in the sports ground. You know, what we did for the last 20 minutes, people talk about not being able to close out a game, but what we did was we just made uh, Munster not be able to close out their game. You know, we we just we just kept them down there and we continue to do that. So I think that that's what they'll look at. I think that they'll look at when they beat Leinster last season away. I think they'll look at when Ulster beat Leinster this year. I think they'll look at when Dragons drove uh, Leinster close. And I think that they'll look at those game plans and they'll go, you know, that's not too far away from what we did in the first 55, 60 minutes of Leicester. First 55, 60 minutes of uh, Stad just there. And against Leinster until one unfortunate situation just before halftime. I think that there's plenty of positives there to show that you kind of can stand toe to toe with them being archie pricks and probably, you know, it will probably have to be a, a robbing of sorts just based on purely on the resources available to Leinster versus us. You know, they've got what 12 centrally contracted players or something ridiculously like that. But yeah, I fully believe that this team is capable of doing it. Our defense has been really good in the URC and that's what put us, you know, up on Leinster for 20, 30 minutes in the, the game uh, earlier on in the season is because they were just so quick off the blocks and it, it looked the same against less uh, stat at the weekend. It just kind of slowed down towards the end. So you know, that's, that's the way I think kind of can win it. And we the sports ground first. I don't like the aggregate score thing. I don't like the two legged tie. I think it's going to be strange. I think, you know, you, you play the sports ground game, you try and get a win if you can, or you keep it close. And then this, you know, who knows what's happening in sports. It's glads with chips on their shoulders. It's narky pricks. And I think that they can do it if they really put it to it. Uh, there's a, not really a game plan other than playing your own game plan that you can go with. I don't think you bother trying to change mid-season to something because what sort of belief is that going to give players in a head coach's entire style that you've been implementing all year for the last couple of years? Just throw it out because you have one one-off game. I think that's silly and I don't think that they'll do it. I think the players would buy into it more if any friend doubles down on his own game plan and says, you know, go play your game. You know what's capable. Believe in yourselves. Yeah, you're not going to beat Leinster by not playing your best style. You're going to have to just hope that they're kind of their shit hot for two days uh, and do it. But Westy, at the, look, at the end of the day, realistically, hat on, this is a no-lose situation for Connacht. You're, you, you've met your goal. You're going up against arguably the best team, top three teams in the world. Um, who are stacked, you know, financially against you as well as talent and players against you. No one's expecting you to win. Like there'll be z- there's zero pressure on this kind of team to go out there and and win this game. It's only there's only hero potential. Like no one's gonna slate them for losing this game. Like it's 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 a, it is it's a it's a win win. Wherever you want to look at it. I, I don't know necessarily is it a win win. I mean, if you go out and take two heavy back to back defeats against Leinster, and you still have to play them a third time in, or a fourth time in the year in the U in the in the URC, um, then but that's that can, what people are expecting, can, though. Well, I don't know. Well, that's not what I'm expecting at all. I, I think we have the players. I think we I think we're good enough to beat them, as I say, on our day. Um, it's just about you know putting the performances back to back. And look, at, and like I didn't say earlier, but like discipline will be huge if we give away fourteen penalties again against Leinster. That's going to get it's going to be a heavy day. Um, there's a certain amount of freedom in it. Yeah, I'll give you that. I think that um, this is new territory for us. Um, and look at it again. But I'd say that part of it is we, we've we've drawn a familiar rival, and we've no we've drawn someone who we have experience against. So maybe in one way of looking at it, like if if it wasn't Leinster, if it was anybody else, you say maybe it was our best opportunity to get through, and that we've played them before. We know how they're going to play. Um, and we can adapt to that maybe easier than we can adapt to playing uh, maybe a Claremont or. Um, an extra somebody we haven't necessarily played before um, or not played before kind of at this level. Um, yeah, there's freedom in it for the players. Um, 
But you know, there'll be a fair bit of Samson, there'll be a fair bit of niggling as well. They want to get one over on, on the Leinster boys, and what better stage to do it on than the European stage? Um, so hopefully, hopefully it is that freeing kind of um a freeing game for them. And you know, I, I think as I say it it's a possibility it's there for them, but I think the two legs is probably gonna go against Connacht in this sense. Um so yeah, I mean I think it's relatively freeing, but I think it's also you're gonna have a big chip in shoulder playing Leinster Yo as well. Yeah, I, I'm just annoyed because you do try your hardest to get through to the round of 16. And one of the, the things you look for in uh, playing Champions Cup rugby is exotic away games against teams you don't play regularly. That's the draw of a competition like this. You know, you want to be going to a Claremont or to a La Rochelle or something, you know, even an English team. But like going two hours down the road to play in the Poxy Aviva for the fourth time in a year, it's like not really mad on it. It's a disappointing in that manner, but, you know, you can't you can't help that. I will. Uh, I'll, I will say this to end the podcast on a positive note. If you do get through Leinster, you play the winner of Leicester and Claremont, and I wouldn't fear either of those teams, especially on a one day off thing. You know, <laughs> no, not at all. And sorry, my my other point was it's going to be really funny when Connacht beat Leinster to see what all the ex Leinster pundits blame on Leinster not being able to go through in the Champions Cup because last year it was like the league isn't preparing us well enough to get past the La Rochelles and stuff. So when Connacht beat them and Connacht are still sitting in seventh or eighth in the league and Leinster at the top of the league, I don't know what they're going to end up blaming. Yeah, uh, yeah. first of all, it's not the league's uh, responsibility to make you uh, prepared enough. Um, but I, I want to shout out, before we go, I want to shout out our listener, Brian Quinn. Because uh, Brian Quinn's in a question, sorry we didn't get to it, Brian. But he started off his question by saying, will you tell the lads at Off The Ball to shut the fuck up? And just for that alone, Brian, I'm going to give you a shout out. So, yeah, because there was, I didn't see it because I don't watch or listen. But uh, apparently there was some condescending stuff going around about how, you know, aren't, aren't they great, Connacht, for playing that way and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I would say this, and we'll, we'll finish on this, but if you don't enjoy listening to something like that, don't listen. You know, like I tell Sam this regularly, we've all been here before. But uh, if it's making you angry to listen to it or read it, don't do it. Uh, and it's the same with this podcast. If we piss you off, don't listen. So it's simple as that. Or tell us because engagement is key in advertising these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if you disagree, let's get involved. Let's have a chat about. Oh it. yeah, if listenership goes down, or oh, we're going to get real offensive up here. Play <laughs> that. We are going to be disgusting. We'll wrap it up there, boys. Um, Thanks again to the boys. I will say all I can say is this: there's a special guest coming up in the next few weeks. I won't say who, uh, but we're organising a date and time at the moment. But uh, look out for that. If you've if you've lasted this long in the podcast, uh, tweet us then uh, about the fact that you know there's a special guest coming on, and maybe we'll drop that news next week. Maybe uh, it's it's going to be a good one. So we should start dropping Easter eggs into the podcast as well, like little 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 fun kind of quiz games or something, you know. Yeah, li- yeah, a little, yeah, I like that actually. A little nod to the guests coming on. Yeah. Um, well, th- the real reason he's coming on is that uh, he saw that there were some hoodies going around uh, yeah. and wants one. So uh, he, I think that's that's the problem. I didn't get enough. I didn't get enough. I think the hoodies, yeah, the hoodies have become like Instagram famous. They're doing the trips. There was one, there was a, a rogue hoodie spotted in Paris last week. Uh, one in Paris. There was one in Salt Hill today on a s- massive Samoan gentleman. Um, yeah. Uh, there was one uh, on the sideline of a Corinthians Thirds game last week uh, in the form of Westie 
Um, so yeah, if you see one, if you see one out and about, make sure you get a picture of it and send it to me, please, because I want to keep track of where they're spotted. The, the uh, Paris is going to be tough to spot, tough to beat though. If you can beat Paris, fair play to you. But we'll wrap it up there, lads. As always, appreciate you coming on, and we'll be back uh, next week for some more URC action. Cheers, boys. Bye. Cheers.